0: Chapter 71. There was a voice. Her voice. A kraken had attacked, and Gustav was sinking in the ocean again. This all felt strangely familiar. But this time he couldn't move, and she was the one in danger. Last at all. How could he save her if he couldn't move? Gustav struggled against the numbness that held him prisoner, but her voice faded into silence before he could break free. Chapter 72. The kraken swiped at Fiora as she swam. She dodged, but the fabric of her dress dragged in the water and slowed her down. The tentacle connected with her tail and sent her tumbling through the ocean. Fiora reached behind her as she floated, pulling at the buttons on the back of the gown. She needed her full speed to save Gustav, and this gown was getting in the way. I've always found human clothing to be overly complicated. Fiora whirled around and found Madame Isla floating behind her. The mermaid smiled. Fortunately, I've made a study of it. My research on buttons alone has. The kraken swiped at them again, forcing both mermaids to retreat. Just get me out of this, Fiora said. She pulled her hair up so the mermaid could access the back of the dress. True to her word, Madame Isla was quite capable at unfastening buttons. Fiora wondered if she had practiced on sunken gowns as part of her research. As soon as the bodice loosened, Fiora wriggled out of the gown and dove towards the kraken. Madame Isla dove after her. Fiora, what are you doing? I have to save them. Fiora swam towards the statues, which had landed beside the kraken. They were out of the creature's sight, but still in danger of being smashed by tentacles. Fiora, those are statues. Before Fiora could explain, the kraken roared and lunged at them. Madame Isla let out a single high note that pierced the water. It seemed to surprise the kraken more than anything. Sing with me, Madame Isla signed. Fiora pulled water through her gills and matched Madame Isla's pitch. It was aggressive. An attack rather than a lullaby. And it worked. The kraken pulled its tentacles back. Giving Fiora space to dive towards Gustav. The water pulsed with blue light, and a soothing song filled the air. Fiora shared a glance with Madame Isla and quickly changed her song to join the choir. theta Sonum Statum. The kraken's eyes began to close. It slumped to the ground and lowered its tentacles. The light grew brighter, silhouetting a group of merfolk swimming over the horizon. Help had arrived. Then the ground shook with deep laughter, and the kraken blinked. Fiora searched the ocean floor for the source of the sound and saw a pale reflection of the blue light glistening in the sand. A shadow hovered over it. Leander and the mirror. It was cracked, but that only made the glass look more sinister as it reflected the light of the kraken heart. Did your research include magic mirrors, Madame Isla? Mirrors can contain magic? Apparently not we need to destroy that one. Fiora swam towards Leander with more anger than a plan. The merman grinned when he saw her. I already defeated your sisters. What can you possibly do, little mermaid? Fiora had no idea, but she didn't slow down. Leander and Elspeth had endangered everyone she loved, and she wouldn't let them get away with it. Elspeth may have escaped, but Leander was still within reach. Leander's smug smile slipped as the blue light grew brighter. Fiora didn't look back. She didn't need to. She saw the approaching mermaids reflected in the mirror. Althea and Cathalyn swam at the front of the choir. Zoe carried the Kraken heart and looked fully prepared to use it. Two theta room statum. The Kraken heart pulsed in time with the music, and the Kraken's eye closed again. The merfolk sang a final chord and sustained it until the kraken fell asleep and crashed into the ocean floor. The ground shook, and the statues of Gustave and Francois slid across the sand towards Fiora. Leander scowled and stopped singing. I guess that's my cue to leave. You're giving up so easily, fish boy. The deep voice echoed from the mirror and shook the ground. Do you want to come out here and fight an entire civilization? at least finish her off first. Leander turned back to Fiora. He screamed, and his eyes glowed yellow. Half of the broken mirror lifted off the sand and flew towards her. Fiora countered with her own song, deflecting the mirror so it sliced open her tail instead of her neck. She screamed in pain. The mirror shuddered and turned black as her blood spilled over it. Without waiting to see the result of his attack— Leander swam into the other half of the broken mirror. The surface rippled as he slipped through it. Once he disappeared, the deep rumbling continued. The kraken shuddered and opened its eye again. Fiora pressed her hand against her tail to slow the bleeding and glared at the remaining piece of the mirror. Whatever was in there, she needed to keep it from getting out. She picked up the glass and slammed it against the ground. It sank into the sand— And the deep voice continued to reverberate through the ocean. Fiora looked around. She needed something solid. A piece of coral. A rock. Or a statue. Gustav stood nearby, his head still turned to look out the window for her. The mirror shook as the deep voice laughed. The hulking silhouette appeared, reflected in the distance but getting closer. Fiora swung the mirror at Gustav, singing to add force to her blow. It smashed against his head and shattered in slow motion. Shards of glass floated around him, glowing like stars in the Krakenheart's blue light. Gustav looked uninjured, thank goodness. The deep, rumbling laughter disappeared. Peace descended on the ocean as the mermaid's lullaby filled the waves. The Krakenheart settled into a gentle heartbeat pulse as the Kraken slept. Fiora shuddered. That had been close. Fiora, are you well? Kathleen swam over, her eyes wide with concern. She looked from the shards of mirror to the statue to Fiora's bleeding tail. Please, will you help me carry that statue to the surface? Fiora signed to keep from interrupting the mermaid choir's song. Catelyn shook her head. Can you swim? I'll heal you, but we need to put some distance between us and the choir first. Fine, but bring the statue. Fiora nodded to King Francois. Kathleen's eyebrows knit together, but she didn't protest. She wrapped her arms around the statue and kicked her tail. Fiora did the same with Gustave. He was heavy. Solid stone, and bigger than her. Pain shot through her tail as she swam, and she left a trail of blood in the ocean. Fiora pulled of water through her gills and forced herself to keep swimming through the pain. Whatever else happened— She had to save Gustav. And since Leander and Elspeth had worked together to curse him, her magic was the only way to set him free. That or a kiss. They reached the surface, and Catherine listened for a moment to make sure they were too far away to hear the choir. Then she sang the song of healing, knitting the gash in Fiora's tail back together. Fiora kissed Gustav's stone cheek, just in case that was the way to break the curse. Nothing happened so she sang. She tried to remember Elspeth's song. The words had been foreign, but the tune was easy enough. Fiora started with that. When she came to a place in the melody she couldn't remember, she made something up. She let her voice resonate softly, both human and mermaid. Both parts of her working together. That combination of magic had turned Gustav to stone. It should be able to break the enchantment as well. When nothing happened, Fiora kept singing. This had to work. She didn't know what else to do. If she was mistaken. Then Gustave shuddered, and his stone chest heaved with a silent gasp. He grew soft in Fiora's arms, turning from cold stone to warm flesh. Catherine let out an alarmed shriek as King Francois did the same. Fiora, these statues are turning into people. Fiora smiled and kept singing. Gustav blinked and turned his head from side to side, staring into the distance in confusion. Finally his gaze settled on Fiora. She kept singing. The curse was broken, but she didn't know what to say. She was a mermaid. And herself, not Lady Mare. There was so much to explain, and she didn't know where to start. So she sang instead. Gustav wrapped his arms around her and held her tight. Chapter 73. His hearing came back first. That voice. It was always that voice. Then air rushed into his lungs, and Gustav realized he was cold. And wet. What on earth had happened? The voice kept singing. Gustav opened his eyes and stared at the horizon. Why was the ground moving around him? Someone shrieked. Fiora, these statues are turning into people. Gustav looked from side to side, searching for whoever had screamed. As he looked, he realized the moving ground was water. It stretched as far as he could see in every direction. He was in the middle of the ocean. His leg brushed against something solid, and he realized someone was holding him. He probably should have noticed that first. Gustav stared at her. She was so close that her face was out of focus, but he would know her anywhere this beautiful woman with brilliant blue eyes. And gills. Those were new, but Gustav didn't have time to process that. More memories flooded back. The gala. Dancing barefoot together. Leaving her for Elspeth. Gustav's heart sank. He didn't deserve Fiora. Not after what he had done. She kept singing. There was something unique about her voice. Gustav couldn't place what was different about it, but it sounded like it belonged here amidst the sounds of the sea. She stared into his eyes, relief and uncertainty filling her gaze. Gustav wrapped his arms around her and held her tight. She stopped singing, surprised by the sudden movement. The gentle rhythm of waves and wind filled the silence. Fiora, I am so sorry. His voice broke. There was more to say. But he couldn't find the words. She shrugged out of his grasp and held him at arm's length so she could glare at him. Don't you dare apologize for being cursed. Then she pulled him close and pressed her forehead against his. Gustav relaxed a little, and Fiora tilted her head and softly kissed his cheek. Gustav hesitated only a moment before leaning in and meeting her lips. Fiora tightened her grip and kissed him fiercely. You see, Zoe, That's the proper way to seduce a human man. Fiora tensed and broke the kiss. She was glaring at him again. No, at something behind him. Gustav wrapped his arm around her shoulder and turned so he could see. A group of mermaids floated nearby. An older one with long white hair pointed at Gustav as if he were a specimen on display. A younger one with short hair watched with an enthusiastic grin. Behind them, Althea rolled her eyes. She had cut off her long hair since he last saw her. It only made her look more intimidating. Gustav leaned a little closer to Fiora. Kathleen floated beside Althea. She held something in her arms. Someone. Father. Gustav turned further in Fiora's arms, trying to get a better look. The man lifted his head. Gustav? Stay still, Your Majesty. Catherine said. You're still very weak. The mermaid cradled the king to her chest like a child. He looked from her to his son. Gustave, where are we? Who are these people? Mermaids. We're in the ocean. His father's eyes widened in alarm, and Gustave wished he had made up a comforting light instead. King Francois did not look well. Cathaline began to sing. Gustave recognized the melody as the same one Fiora had sung for him that day at the beach. King Francois's face relaxed, and he fell asleep. Gustave looked to Fiora. It's a song of healing, she said. "He'll awake refreshed. We should take them back to land, Althea said. No need, Zoe said. There's a ship. Fiora turned to look, and Gustav turned with her the approaching ship formed a squat silhouette against the sunrise. An ugly rescue, but a rescue nonetheless. It's the sea frog, Gustav said. But what is Princess Serafina doing out here? Is she a friend? Althea asked. Unless you're smashing her city with a kraken. Althea ignored sarcasm in his voice. She hummed a tune, and their group floated towards the ship or maybe the ship was floating towards them. Gustav found it difficult to say for sure. Mermaids, ho! Massimo screamed from the ship's deck. The young prince of Santel sounded like he was having a good time. At least someone was enjoying themselves tonight. Although, Gustav wasn't going to complain too much about being held in Fiora's arms. Had he told her he loved her yet? He had a vague sense that he had— but his memory hadn't exactly been reliable for the past few days. I love you, he whispered into her hair, just in case he hadn't. She stilled, and for a moment Gustav was afraid he had made a terrible mistake. That he had misremembered their relationship and... I love you too. She whispered it softly, her kellish accent becoming thick with emotion. Why did she sound so sad? A strand of dark hair blew against Fiora's face and stuck to her skin. Gustav reached up and gently brushed it away. He left his hand against her cheek, caressing her skin and catching her tears. Why was she crying? Fiora, I never meant to hurt you. I was under an enchantment. I know that's no excuse, but... Gustav, I told you not to apologize for that. I... Permission to send humans aboard, Captain. The mermaid's shout swallowed whatever Fiora had been about to say. Um, granted? Serafina's usually commanding voice sounded confused. Before Gustav could quite process what was happening, a rush of water swept him out of Fiora's arms and pushed him towards the ship. She reached for him. Their fingers brushed against each other for a moment, then a new song rang through the air. Fiora sank into the water with a small gasp. Fiora! Gustave tried to swim towards her, but he was helpless against the current. The song crescendoed, and he floated up to the ship's deck on a wave of water and magic. Serafina pulled him over the railing before he could protest. King Francois floated up on a second wave, and Colette shrieked with joy as she helped her father onto the ship. Princess Serafina looked into the water for a moment. Then shrugged. Set a course for Montaigne, she ordered the man at the wheel. The man was hidden in shadows, but he looked more like a pirate than a naval officer. He spun the wheel with one hand and gave a roguish salute with the other. Serafina rolled her eyes and turned back to Gustav. What happened to your ship? To Elspeth? Gone, I think. Kraken. That was all a bit blurry, obscured by poison and magic. Serafina's expression grew serious. And Fiora? She's a mermaid. Gustav crawled to the railing and looked down at the water. The mermaids had disappeared and taken Fiora with them. The ocean stretched empty for as far as he could see. What do you mean Fiora is a mermaid? Serafina said. Are you saying that Princess Fiora of Kel is a mermaid? How is that possible? Colette said. Gustav shrugged. He had no idea. He was more concerned with how to get her back. Father won't wake up, Colette said. Gustav tore his gaze from the water, remembering that other people needed him. Colette's eyes were tense with worry. The mermaids put him into an enchanted sleep so he could heal. He was weak from being cursed for so long. Colette's tight shoulders relaxed. She gathered part of her enormous skirt into a pillow and gently placed it under her father's head. Gustav watched him sleep for a few moments, then turned his attention back to the water as the sea frog sailed towards Montaigne. Towards home, although he wasn't sure what that meant anymore. He had found his father and lost his love. The ocean stretched around them, vast and empty. There had to be a way to find her. He had survived multiple kraken attacks and been turned to stone. He would face worse to be with the woman he loved. As if answering his thought, something splashed near the ship. Fiora. Gustav leaned over the railing and almost collided with a tentacle emerging from the ocean. Althea sat on the tentacle and watched Gustav through narrowed eyes. Another splash broke the stillness, and Cathaline bobbed up on a second tentacle. She smiled brightly at Gustav as if she were stopping in for tea. Where's Fiora? Althea glared so fiercely at the question that Gustav's heart sank. Had something gone wrong? You ladies have control of those kraken. The man at the wheel called. He even sounded like a pirate. Definitely too roguish to be in Santel's navy. We have perfect control now that Leander is gone. He was sabotaging our enchantments with mixed magic, Cathaline called back. The man seemed satisfied with that explanation, as did Serafina. She raised an eyebrow at the two mermaids, then shrugged and left Gustav to deal with them. She had a ship to sail. Where is Fiora? Gustav repeated. Home, for now, Althea said. She was injured and needed to heal. She's hurt. Gustav fought back panic. Why hadn't Fiora told him she was hurt? Was it serious? Getting thrown out of a window and cut with an enchanted mirror takes a lot out of you. We put her to sleep with a healing enchantment. She'll be fine by morning. Gustav relaxed a little. Althea did not. Fiora is the reason we're here, she said. It sounded more like an accusation than anything. You love her. Cathaline said. She held up a ring. Fiora's ring. The pearl glistened in the morning light, flickering with bits of copper as if it were reflecting a fire. That gem was definitely enchanted, but what did it do? Yes, I love her. See, Althea. He loves her. Cathaline waved the ring at her sister as if it proved her point. Althea didn't look convinced. Truly, Gustav began. Althea raised her hand to silence him. It isn't your love I question. It's your lineage. She gestured to where King Francois lay on the deck. What's wrong with my lineage? It's royal. You're a king. The mermaid spit out the words as if saying them physically pained her. Gustave swallowed. Yes. Well, I suppose I'm a prince again now that my father has returned. It's all a bit confusing. Kathleen nodded sympathetically, but Althea's scowl didn't waver. Did you know that Fiora was a mermaid when you fell in love with her? I didn't even know she was Fiora. I called her Lady Mare. See, Cathaline, it's just like last time. Althea, that's unfair. But a small wrinkle of worry creased Cathaline's brow. Gustav rubbed his forehead, trying to erase the headache he felt building. Begging your pardon, but I don't understand. Of course you don't, Althea said. And I'm not sure you can. But Fiora loves you enough to sacrifice her life for yours, so I'm going to try to explain. She gestured to the ring as if it explained everything. Gustav studied it, desperate to understand whatever the mermaids were trying to tell him. The longer he stared, the more the copper swirling across the surface of the pearl looked like strands of Fiora's hair. We're going to tell you a story, Kathleen said. The story of Fiora's parents. And then you're going to make a choice. Does this have anything to do with the shell you gave me? Gustav pulled it out of his pocket, a little surprised that it was still there after everything that had happened. Kathleen's eyes widened. Why do you have that? It was for Karina. Well, I suppose it could work in this situation as well. Althea smirked at Gustav's confusion. That shell contains the notes to a magical song that will turn a man into a frog. I believe Kathleen was giving Karina a way to turn Prince Stefan into a frog again if she so desired. But we could turn you into a frog instead if you like, Kathleen said. You could join Fiora under the water then. It would be a little strange, but I'm sure you could make it work. What? Focus, Kathleen. Remember why we're here. Right. To tell Gustav the story of Nyssa and Fergal. Gustav blinked. King Fergal of Kel was Fiora's father. Who's Nyssa? Fiora's mother. Our sister. She died because a king betrayed her. We're here to make sure you don't do the same. Gustav swallowed. I would never. You wouldn't mean to, Althea said, but as I said— you don't understand. That's why we're here to explain. To make sure that what happened to Nissa doesn't happen again.